how would I describe it? Is the power of having something new in your hand that you can use. It's almost like a new sword that you can go in and fight in the world. You know, new source of information, new, new everything. This is Choose to Be Curious, a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. I'm your host, Lynn Borton. Welcome. Come, choose to be curious with us. As the new school year gets started, I've been thinking a lot about the important teachers in my life, the ones who left an indelible impression. There was my second grade teacher, Miss Clark, who became Mrs. Hughes. I loved her, not just because she invited the entire class to her wedding, but she made being at school a real joy. She helped forge a learning mindset that stayed with me. And Mrs. Buchanan in third grade, who probably did more than anyone to make me feel good about being a bit of a math nerd. Well, more than anyone until Mrs. Ranieri in seventh and eighth grade, who taught us probability and how to count cards and to think of math as fabulously relevant and indisputably cool. In high school, Mr. Gordon taught me to love peeling away the delicate layers of classic literature. And Dr. Green, an imposing woman who headed the physics department, showed a surprising emotional intelligence and compassion as the only faculty member who noticed when I hit a particularly rocky patch. These educators made me feel seen, and as importantly, they helped me to see. They gave me tools with which to engage the world around me, exciting me about it and me in it. I feel their presence, their legacy in these shows. That's the kind of thing a good teacher can do. I'm a teacher fan and a curiosity proponent. This is not news. So no surprise, educator and author Veronica Darwell caught my eye when she popped up with a children's picture book called When You Are Curious, with delightful illustrations by Johnny Pashil. Veronica has a robust and joyful Instagram presence at Books With Meaning. She's like a supercharged curiosity cheerleader. Veronica is from Slovakia. For more than 20 years, she's taught in a variety of schools, encountering an array of curricula, and always working to help her students grow into curious, lifelong learners. Currently, she teaches English as an additional language, mathematics, and science in English near Bratislava, Slovakia. I'm delighted to have devoted teacher and curiosity crusader Veronica Darwa with me today. So welcome, Veronica. Thank you so much, Lynn, for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. You can't imagine. <laughs> I've just heard from what you said about all the teachers. It's beautiful. It's so nice to hear. So thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure. And, you know, on that aforementioned robust and joyful Instagram, I noticed that you were on summer vacation and you were reading about curiosity. So I knew you were a woman after my own heart. But when did you first understand that you were curious yourself? Um, that's a great question. I Yes, I was just aware um, of my curiosity. The first time I started traveling to my violin lessons because I was just on my own. I was seven years old and I was on my own uh, traveling by buses and trains, getting to these lessons. And I had 
time to kind of look around and kind of absorb what was around me. And that's the first time I felt a little bit of freedom as a child, you know, without my parents. Yeah. And I was independent. All I said to my parents is, get me a watch and I can sort everything out. I can get my buses and trains. And I was free to go. So I guess that was the first kind of curiosity, adventure type of venture in my life. I love that image of you getting on a bus with your little violin. So teachers make a difference, right? So tell me about one that influenced you. Totally. Teachers do make a difference. And I always think having a teacher, it's about like having a, somebody who believes in you, you know, somebody who can see you for who you truly are. And for me, it was teacher in my primary school. And um, she, you know, I don't think she did anything particular. It was just that kind of encouragement and uh, that feeling I had when I was with her. And I just felt like I can do anything. I can't describe it, but it was like she said this and that. And, you know, like she wasn't like a huge motivator or like kind of go for it and but she had that innate connection with me. And I felt so empowered in her presence. And I think, I just really hope that my students can experience that as well. That, you know, this is the person who kind of somehow connects to me in a way that I'm empowered to be who I'm truly deep inside. And I may not even be aware of it because at that time, I didn't know where I'm going to or what am I, you know, going to study or anything like that. But I just felt like with this person, with this person's support and encouragement, you know, I like I can choose to be anybody. Oh, lovely. So is teaching what you imagined it would be? I'm not sure. It, it kind of found me when I was when I lived in England. I worked as an au pair, but I also did, um, I was part of many charities, so I couldn't officially work for a job, but I could work like supported charities, like places like schools and as a volunteer. So I used that opportunity. So I, I selected a few charities and schools and I was kind of helping out. And eventually when I got my visa and everything was sorted out, I was able to work. And I got a job at one of these schools, and it was a special school near Cambridge. And I, I started working there as a support worker. So that was working in a boarding house as well as in a school, because there was a school part and a boarding house. And it was for students with cerebral palsy. So it was a kind of whole complex of different therapy units and I, I started working there as a support worker, and then later I started working in a, just in a school hours as a learning support assistant. And then when we moved back to Slovakia, it was kind of natural progress that I was I worked in the school. I continued to work in the school, and I finished all my degree and did uh, my PGC um, with the uh, University um, of Sunderland. And then continued working as a teacher. So it found me in a way that it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be a teacher and this is what I'm going to do. But 
later when I was reflecting on it, it was just like any job I could think of that I could change to a, the kind of interactions and the the presence of these feelings that I was describing earlier. So I was like, there was nothing that could replace it. So I kind of, you know, decided that that's what I'm going to do. That's lovely. That's lovely. So, you know, I've been thinking a lot, actually, my kids went to a Spanish immersion program here in the United States. And I've long wondered about the relationship between thinking in two languages, learning in two languages, and curiosity. And I'm wondering, from your perspective, whether you see a relationship between your role as a teacher of additional languages and curiosity. Yes? No? Thoughts? Totally. I mean, um, as many languages you can learn, the better for you. I, mm-hmm. I believe that. <laughs> and, uh, bilingual children are a special category. Like, for example, my son is bilingual. and But I used to work in kind of the other side of the spectrum where I was in Slovakia, but I was in an international school where children were told to speak English only. So it was almost like Slovak was a secret language. And I didn't like that at all, obviously. But um, I believe that the reason behind that was because when children came in as they were six or seven years old, they already knew so much. Obviously, Mm -hmm. when you're seven, you explored so much. And then you come to school where... Somebody tells you, and unless you say it in English, you don't know it. And then it's kind of your whole world um, can uh, fall on on you. In, in terms of languages, I believe if you kind of learn a new language, you almost like live another life. Like when I when I learned Spanish, for me it was I felt like I'm experiencing something that I can only do when I learn that language. You know, like watching a movie with subtitles is different than talking to somebody in a Spanish cafe or, you know, having friends who I can speak in my poor Spanish now because obviously I'm not speaking as much Spanish now. But it's just kind of that it's almost like, yes, you can live another life or you can experience something, you know, that. I can feel now my students can experience uh, when they start to learn English because they feel the sense of something new. So a new, is that novelty? But at the same time is the power of kind of, um, how would I describe it? Is the power of having something new in your hand that you can use. It's almost like a new sword that you can go in and fight in the world, you know, new source of information, new knew everything, you know, into music, literature, as you said, you're, you know, you um, uh, experiencing um, literature and with your teacher, you know, like expanding that horizon. With with learning new English, you experience the whole new world that is there. Um, and you can just, the more you know, the more, the more word, the more expression, the more films you watch, the more music you know, in that language, it kind of expands your horizon so much. So it's the essence. I think learning languages is a beautiful kind of way of explaining how curiosity works. You're listening to Choose to be Curious, conversations about curiosity and work and life. I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and I'm joined today by Veronica Darwell, educator and author of the children's book, When You Are Curious. 
So you ended up writing a children's book about curiosity. What what prompted that? I mean, what were you hoping would come of it? Has what you hoped transpired? Um, tell me about your curiosity journey with the book. Yeah, it's it's kind of very peculiar and curious <laughs> journey because uh, um, I always felt like I wanted to kind of give something out in the world in the sense of like, this is my message, but I didn't know what it was. And when I worked in these international schools, obviously um, I, I worked in a different uh, settings, some that used inquiry-based learning, you know, just where where you could the ex- experiment um, with the kind of the way of learning that, is different to just kind of um, traditionally taught schools, you know, like where huh. where children can can kind of explore and get to the information rather than just being fed the information, which is the traditional style. And um, I like that a lot. That I felt like that's that's the natural way to be, you know, like it's it, it's you need to be aware of what's going on a lot. You need to be in charge. Obviously, as teachers, you need to kind of focus so much of what is going around around but um, for me um, with the book was like okay so I saw my uh, brother's images and on his Instagram profile and I thought oh this would be a great children's book they were very imaginative and kind of inviting and I, I thought well these these look great you know like why don't you do something like that so I tried to write some text with the images and he saw it and he said, well, I want to do something brand new if you're serious about this book. And that's how we got to do this book, really. You know, it was kind of very natural and curious process. But, wait, wait, um... wait. The illustrator is your brother? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how did I not know that? That's wonderful. I love that it's a family project. Congratulations to the two of you. I love that. It is a family project, but it can be good. And sometimes, you know, uh-huh. in the family. it wasn't all easy, but, uh, you know, I'm really pleased about that. So it kind of gave him something else because him as a graphic designer, he was doing logos and totally different things. And suddenly he was immersed in this children's world with uh, brand new things. And he, he kind of started enjoying it. Uh, and then when I got to like uh, as you as you mentioned when the book was out, then naturally I was trying to share it with my colleagues from all over the world because I used to go to these international um, conferences and workshops where I met all these lovely uh, passionate educators. So I started to kind of connect with them and see you know what do you think I I did this book and. They were really excited and, you know, it was kind of, I was really pleased because that book is like what I would like to use in my classroom. So mm-hmm. it's kind of something in and out of and can use within that inquiry-based world as well. But also you can use it as a kind of starting point for goal settings, reflections, you know, looking at mistakes and what they are and puzzles and, you know, like seeing things through different lens. And I think it's, for me, it was the the best part was connecting with these educators and people 
who, who could see that potential that I was trying to convey. But also it was when, when I saw the children started to interact with the book, when I started to have my workshops and when I saw them kind of how they were looking at it without even knowing that I am the author of the book. So that was the best part. And when I got uh, like Penny from Spain doing a session on illustration, and the children sent me the questions and they were really profound questions about the illustrations that I didn't think of as much so I had to think of our own illustrations and how do I respond to that question and for me it was really fascinating because I was thinking well this is an interesting question and I was like straight away I knew the answer because I was like I was in a flow and the next day I was like how would I answer today so it was again it was the, the kind of the purpose of the book, really, I could test it on myself many times as well, but getting the feedback from um, from children and from my colleagues, like to call them colleagues, because you know I feel like as educators are one big family that you know should have the same goal together. So that was that was really exciting. That was the best part. That's very that's very cool. A couple of things you said made me think of a couple of different things, actually. One is the book is sort of deceptively simple. And then I saw something that you had put together, was sort of a crib sheet for your colleague teachers. It's like, here's the page. And then here are all the ways you could drill down with your students about this. Or how are you thinking about your time in and out of the classroom in the context of this one little page that has like six words on it, which I thought was really brilliant. But I also want to come back to something you said about the kids and the illustrations, because in in this country, we talk a lot about representation matters. And one of the things that I noticed in the illustrations is the diversity of the people who show up in the images. So right away, you sent this whether it's subliminal or, I mean, it's not spoken, but it's really clearly right in front of you image that like this curiosity journey, it's for everybody. That has to have been intentional, but I'm wondering if people have really picked up or resonated with that, or do you want to reflect on that in some way? Because I actually thought that was pretty important. Yeah. um, I had some feedback on that, which I was really pleased about, but Mm -hmm. What with illustrations, it was, it was so important to me that they felt like that. And then people were included and they felt like they are part of the book. Obviously, you can make it so it's just too obvious and it's too pushy. But what I tried to do, because my brother, he's, he's, he lives in a totally different world. So for him, this kind of notion of like my beliefs or the world I live in is totally different. So when I said, you know, I want certain aspects of the book to, so people will feel represented and present in the book, there was no question about that. So I was really pleased about that. So, and he had total freedom over how it's done and how it's kind of, how it resonates in the book. And the end result, I, I really love that. But one thing about the illustrations, I had very interesting um, feedback on the kind of size of the people, shall I say, 
little bit more mature. You know, uh-huh. it's like it's not like babyish or child too much of a childlike. And that was that was the intention as well. Also, because I felt like I, I wanted children to kind of visualize themselves in the future as well as kind of identify themselves as they are now. Because many books who are for children have only childlike characters, and these children will grow up, and we need to think of them when they grow up. And it's going to be a few years, as you know, with your son. <laughs> It happens so quickly. So fast. So really visualize themselves and they can identify with their future selves in terms of like when I talk to my children, um, we talk about like on the last page, there are the different professions. And again, there's not all, there are not all professions and we can't fit everything in. But when I show it to the children and then we talked about what they would like to do in the future, like what's their dream job. Some know right away. Some point at the dancer and they mean artist, right? Some point at the, somebody in a suit and they think businessman, but they may think something totally different. But they, they kind of see the identification. And that was important for me that they understand that they, they are building their future now. It's not like they will wake up one day and they will suddenly wake up in a suit. It's their future that they are building from year one from kindergarten from pre-kindergarten it's kind of like every single decision every single choice it kind of contributes to their future and i'm hoping that with my book when the children will engage with my book they will get this message as well that it's kind of up to them from very early on and it's not like they will make that decision of what they're going to do and it's going to happen in 24 hours. So, and when I say that to them, they, they are very almost like they have this wow kind of enlightened moment and they kind of realize it and they start talking about, oh yes, I, I'm learning English because I want to be traveling around the world and everybody's busy. And they start kind of coming up with this reasons why they are in the classroom with me why they're doing what they're doing and i just think this is this is something that i would like them to kind of feel with the book as well that the book is going with them wherever they decide to go it's it's to support them and it's to be their friends their kind of extra teacher somebody who can who they can trust and kind of have a relationship with because for me, looking at the book, it was like every single time I look at it and I'm the author, you know, it, it gave something to me that I, it was so unexpected. So I'm hoping they will also discover that. Uh, see, you're just making my point about teachers touching the future. I mean, what a wonderful, what a wonderful example of exciting the kids' curiosity about their future selves. I think that's, I think that's really cool. Before I let you go, because we're going to run out of time here, are you up for my big jar of wannabe analogies? Oh, definitely. Okay. I have a literal big jar here full of slips of paper. I'm going to take out three, one for you, one for me, one for the audience. And we're going to make an analogy to curiosity with whatever is on these slips. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yours is ice cubes. How is curiosity like ice cubes? 
Mine is kickball and I have one for the audience. So do you want to go first or you want me to do this? I'm happy to go first. All right. I'm going to say as usual. <laughs> so I'm really curious about what I'm going to come up with. <laughs> <laughs> but I like my ice cube because I think ice cube is fascinating. You know, there's so many elements to it. There's the the feeling of cold, like it can refresh you. So like curiosity it can be so refreshing when you dig in. So ice cubes can be so refreshing, but they can also give you that shock. Like when you're really hot and you get into ice cube, that can be that like, oh, it's so cold. You know, like I was just looking at Wim Hof digging in the ice cube. So maybe that's why I got the ice cube. So, you know, and but it also energizes you. So I'm just, I'm just seeing Wim Hof going into that ice bath and he just feels so energized and just kind of anew. He's all like refreshed and anew, and that's what curiosity does for us. It makes us to see the world anew, to kind of connect with the world in a totally different way that we didn't even know existed before we interacted with ice cube. <laughs> I love that. That's wonderful. So kickball, how is curiosity like kickball? Um, you know, I grew up playing kickball in the street, and it was a game it was it was a pickup game right you just sort of played it with anybody who was around and we would use the sewer cap as home base and door you know car doors were like first and third base and i don't know something else was second base up on the you know the middle of the street and to me that's like curiosity you sort of work with what you've got you take it to the streets it's playful you do it in community with your friends. And it was, you know, I have really, really fond memories of kickball as a kid. And I think curiosity has that potential too of just generating really, really wonderful memories. So that's how I'll say it's like kickball. And um, <laughs> audience, yours is toenails. Just <laughs> curiosity, oh. like toenails. Let me know, social media, hashtag analogies. Well, Veronica, this has been wonderful thank you for hanging in with all the weirdness with the wi-fi and the weather and everything else and thank you for the work that you're doing it's just it's great knowing you're out there oh thank you so much Lynn. it's been absolute pleasure and i could talk with you forever <laughs> so thank you for all the curiosity expansion you're doing also in this world because it's so much needed and we need people like you. We need curiosity enthusiasts who remind ourselves of the magic. You've been listening to Choose to be Curious. I'm Lynn Borton. I've enjoyed being your host today. You can find all my shows at choosetobecurious.com. I hope you'll follow me here, there, and on social media at Choose to be Curious where you can share your toenail analogy, hashtag analogy. Many thanks to my guest, Veronica Darwell. Links to When You Are Curious on my website. Thanks, too, to Sean Ballack for our theme music. And this is Up, 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 and Over by The Balloonist via Blue Dot Sessions. So what happens when you are curious? I hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, choose to be curious. <laughs> <laughs>